Hello again, and welcome to Global Exchange, part of the CJAI Podcast Network. I'm your host and Vice President of the Canadian Global Affairs Institute, Colin Robertson. Today, today's episode is from a webinar on Canada-EU relations looking forward. This webinar took place on May 19th in partnership with the Konrad Eidenhauer Stiftung and the delegation of the European Union to Canada. You'll hear a discussion on CETA, the Comprehensive Economic Trade Agreement, and how to attract small and medium-sized enterprises featuring Delphine Adno Ousu, Mark Camarelli, and Fawn Jackson, moderated by Marianne Carter. Mark, let's start with you. Can you tell us about the, the lens you bring in and a bit about your background? Uh, so I'm a lawyer uh, by training, originally from Canada. Uh, I moved to the, U to the UK uh, back in 2006 as a lawyer and then to Brussels in 2013, again as a lawyer. Um, and that was around about the time that CETA was getting signed. And ultimately, uh, what I saw uh, was uh, with some others was the fact that there was, uh, while a lot of effort was being put into negotiating CETA, what, what there wasn't maybe as much of is the implementation side. And that means, you know, you know, monitoring CETA, but also how does CETA deliver directly to the constituents that it's supposed to. And so the lens I bring today, or hope to bring today, is really just looking at how Canadian SMEs can uh, take advantage of CETA, but, but actually, probably more appropriately, how can we help them make exceed a more uh, attractive and otherwise increase their trade to the EU. Thanks, Mark. Delphine, let's kick it to you now. Yes, thank you very much, uh, Marianne, and I'm happy to, to be here. So I'm the executive director of the EU Chamber of Commerce in Canada. Um, we are uh, basically helping EU companies in understanding CETA and uh, understanding the opportunities they can have um, here in Canada. Um, we, are, we are basically today the umbrella association of all the bilateral EU chamber um, uh, chambers of commerce who are present in Canada. So the French Chamber of Commerce, the Poland Chamber of Commerce, etc. Um, a little bit on my background, I'm quite new in, in still quite new in Canada because I moved in, in March 2020, the best, best time ever to move to a new country. And before that, I was the head of the French Chamber of Commerce and the head of the European Chamber of Commerce in, in Ghana. Um, so yeah, also CETA is pretty new to me, but I think there's a, there's a lot that needs to be done. And I do think that the role of chambers of commerce are really essential in giving the right information to companies and SMEs. But I guess we'll dig into this uh, in our conversation. Thanks so much. And Fawn. Yeah, well, wonderful to be with you uh, today. So I actually grew up on a beef and wheat farm. I do work with the Canadian Cattlemen's uh, Association here in Ottawa, uh, you know, certainly a really big advocate for agriculture, for trade and for conservation uh, too. And so, you know, when I think about uh, small, medium-sized enterprises and the trade uh, that we can do between Canada and Europe, I get really uh, excited uh, about the future uh, that's certainly uh, in front of us, but also note some pretty significant uh, hurdles uh, that we have to get over before we're really able to optimize that as was identified in uh, the last presentation. So really happy uh, to be here with you all today. Thanks, Fawn. And yes, there's so, there's so much to discuss and we'll certainly come back to the agricultural pieces. I was thinking you were probably eager to jump into that conversation. Um, so I, I wanted to go back um, and, and focus on a stat um, that Madame Paquette mentioned um, earlier. Um, and for those who are just joining us, 
Um, she mentioned that roughly 3,500 Canadian SMEs trade with the EU, and we've seen a steady increase since 2016. Of course, we saw a bit of a dip um, during the global pandemic, um, uh, which comes as no surprise, uh, but she had mentioned that we're starting to level back out. Uh, all three of you mentioned in your introductory remarks that there, there are things that are we're doing well, but there's certainly major hurdles and things we could be doing better. Um, in your mind, is this 3,500 number good? Where, where should we be focusing our attention? Is it, it sectors? Is it growing that number? Um, you know, what are your perspectives on things that we can be doing to um, improve some of the things we're lacking on? Delphine, why don't we start with you? Yes, so I'm, I'm more in charge of, let's say, European companies who are, who are coming to, to Canada rather than the other side. But um, what I do think, and, and this has been mentioned quite a lot, uh, I think one of our focus, at least with UCAN and towards uh, EU companies, is really about education. Because today, um, when people hear about FTAs or CETA, the first thing that comes in mind, obviously, it's trade. But CETA is it's much more than this. Obviously, it is about trade, uh, trade on of goods and services. But it's it's much more. And I and I tend to think that uh, companies don't know that much uh, about other possibilities uh, within CETA. For example, I, I did um, interviews with companies in the digital field in in many subsectors, and all EU companies who uh, came to settle here in Canada. And and I think even if it's sad what I'm going to say, but uh, we, we have to say it and, and look at ourselves and see where there's room for improvement. None of them knew about CETA and none of, I mean, they knew about CETA, but they didn't know that they could use CETA to invest in Canada or to uh, maybe transfer some of their staff from the EU to Canada. So for me, the key point today, whether it's to towards um, Canadian SMEs or companies or EU SMEs or companies is really to give them information and also to give uh, in straight to the point and useful information and how they can use it because CETA may look like overwhelming for a company to understand how to use it. And, and this is why also um, obviously uh, guides and events are very useful. I, I don't want to take too much of the of the stage and because I'm sure Mark and, and Fon have much uh, to say, but uh, yeah, I think education is one key, key thing. Mark, I know you have thoughts on this. Well, certainly uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I agree with everything that Delphine was saying. I mean, education is key. I think what SMEs need, uh, uh, as any business needs, is information. Uh, the information is should be obviously CETA specific, but you know it needs to move from you know how is CETA good to how is CETA good for my business, and that's that's really critical. And as Delphine was saying, we need to get into the granularity. We need to make it as specific to the business as possible. CETA is over sixteen hundred pages. It's got thirty chapters. It's comprehensive. It's comp complex, you know, businesses just don't need to know everything. Uh, they just need to know what specifically is works and is important for their business. But of course, from a Canadian perspective, you know, trading into the EU is, is not just having an agreement and just like having a, just for, just as the same as with EU companies going into Canada, um, you know, there needs to be a business case. And for me, there should also be much more market information available to SME in terms of the economic opportunities available to them in their you know, respective markets you know, where, where possible. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, that to me is a very critical piece. They need to be making an informed decision uh, when, they, when, they, when they trade. 
Uh, and of course, you know, we've heard it, uh, we've heard it in the earlier panels as well, uh, in certain industries, uh, you know, the rules are different. They, they seem more complex from a Canadian perspective. I'm sure this, the Europeans would feel the same way about the Canadian rules. So there needs to be also education about what those rules are in the specific sectors. And um, just to add one other point here is that part of the education is, is, uh, is also, you know, lessons learned. So uh, obviously when it comes to trade promotion, there's a big emphasis on, uh, on you know, talking about success stories. And, and I agree that those success stories should be celebrated and, and, and they're inspirational, but there's also a lot to be learned from uh, the unsuccessful ones. And I think, that, um, I think that businesses, you know, should have as much information as possible and, uh, and, um, and it should be balanced. And so with all of that, and I do think there's a role for, uh, for, uh, for uh, bilateral chambers and chambers that Delphine represents and we hope to get into that discussion a little bit later. Yeah, maybe Marion, if I can uh, jump in, you know, on, on the numbers front, I think that um, if we look back over the last year, uh, you know, I think that um, it's really shown how important agriculture is in, in both of our economies and how important it is going to be for uh, a green a green recovery. Uh, and so, you know, when I look at Canadian agriculture, those are the numbers that, that I know, you know, we were able to hit a new record uh, last year, despite all of the challenges of, of COVID-19. You know, it was a very small record in comparison to, to previous years, but it certainly really speaks to the importance of, of trade agreements and being able to uh, act on them. And so, you know, as other parts of our economy, you know, we're struggling so much and, you know, that's so heartbreaking, you know, our economies were, were able to, or a portion of the economy are, are able to chug along. And it really also showed, you know, when I was uh, hearing about the vaccine, uh, you know, and EU being able to send 80% of Canada's vaccines, you know, you think, oh man, we're really amazing trading partners in, in a lot of ways. And last year, you know, on the beef side, we had challenges uh, on, on, uh, on, uh, in our processing facilities, and the EU actually moved into being our second largest uh, importer. Uh, so, you know, I think that when I think about how to keep our economies sort of uh, uh, driving forward this green recovery, I certainly think about agriculture uh, and, and how we can be a really key part of that. Uh, at the same time, we need to certainly make sure that it's uh, beneficial on, on both sides. And certainly, uh, as Mark said, it can be very complicated, especially when you're thinking about those small uh, to medium-sized enterprises that make up Canadian agriculture that are 98% uh, you know, family-owned uh, and operated, that figuring out that you know, portion of uh, trade agreement that applies to them and all the hoops that they need to jump through, you know, I think we have to be very targeted in making sure that they have access to these trade agreements. Otherwise, you know, it, it can it can all be for naught, I suppose. And for us, you know, we certainly look at the Europeans and think, oh gosh, wow, you know, they went from, uh, you know, for the numbers for exports to Canada from 0.5 million in 2018 to 17.3 million in 2019 and 100 million uh, in, in 2020. And so, you know, they've really charged ahead. And I think that uh, while some of the responsibility is in the, the complicated nature of trade, another part is that in Canada, we really need to focus in and, and, uh, and get exports done, done there. So, you know, I think that um, when I look at the numbers, I, I actually 
despite having, you know, of course, that concern about the net, the net trade between our nations, uh, I think that over the last year, we proved that we're actually uh, perhaps even better trading partners than we thought. Um, Fon, can we just stick with you for a second? I want to pick up on something that um, Mr. Sinclair said uh, right before our panel about that uh, when we were focusing on the agricultural pieces. He mentioned that the EU framework is quite complex and uh, and particularly for the agricultural sector. How do we help farmers and ranchers navigate this in addition to even making them aware of the potential? Um, why should they be so interested in investing if it's, it's gonna be extremely complex for them to navigate? What is it? Is it government? Is it business? Um, I know we've talked a bit and we will get into this in detail on cha how chambers of commerce and other organizations and associations can help, but from your expertise and where you sit, how do you see us, you know, navigating that complex framework going forward? Yes, well, certainly, you know, one of the things that sort of keeps me up at night in terms of trade for the future is making sure that it doesn't get more complex uh, or, you know, a thickening of the border uh, post-COVID-19. And I think that that's contingent upon, you know, folks like us uh, to make sure um, that it, um, it, it doesn't. And I will say that, you know, Canadian farmers uh, and ranchers are, are quite concerned uh, about some of the um, initiatives in, in the EU in terms of the farm to fork strategy, in terms of uh, antimicrobial resistance um, work that's being done there. And it's not, it's certainly not because we're not, uh, you know, absolute partners on making sure that we're doing uh, the best for the environment and doing the best for uh, animal health, but making sure that, you know, in Canada, we're able to do what's appropriate for here and that in Europe, they're able to do what's, uh, you know, appropriate for there. So, you know, I think it's really uh, contingent upon us to make sure that um, that pathways for trade are stewarded, uh, you know, going forward and certainly being mindful of how um, obstacles from the past that perhaps didn't seem, you know, quite as big, you know, really did end up to be uh, quite significant. Um, but certainly, you know, just like Delphine said about that education uh, portion is because our supply chain, you know, starts right at the farm uh, where we need to be prepping for the European market. We need to make sure that education uh, is right at that, at that piece uh, and that it goes all the way along the supply chain. And we need to make sure um, that, that we do that. But then also, of course, uh, you know, making sure that um, uh, the work that our amazing embassies uh, and trade commissioners are, are doing is also uh, supported and I'm really excited about uh, post-COVID because I really think there's nothing like, uh, you know, getting people um, on, on the ground in, in the different nations to uh, be able to really enable that trade and certainly there's a really exciting um, progress being made in, in Spain that Maximo, I think you might be watching and their team uh, made there. So, you know, I think we have to look at where we've uh, had successes and, and look at how to replicate them. Can we go back to Mark for a second? He mentioned, you know, we've had success stories, but we also have, you know, some unsuccessful stories. Mark, are, are there any stories that come to mind or um, particularly in the SME context where um, we can be, oh, Maximo says he's watching, so that's great. Um, uh, <laughs> thanks, Maximo. Um, that we can use because, you know, part of the challenge with this agreement is 
it, it's so focused on us dorky trade wonks, government business. It's, it's really difficult for the average SME to navigate something like this. Um, what types of stories should we be telling those businesses across Canada? Um, this is what success looks like. Well, I think um, the story, should, it should be all the stories, essentially good, good and bad, as I said. And I think success should look at, you know, we should be looking at the numbers and there should be some hard, you know, data as to what are the market opportunities that uh, businesses and small, medium-sized businesses in particular can actually look at and say, uh, here is the end goal. And in order to get there for my particular market, you know, uh, you know, it, these are the steps I need to go to because, you know, it will be, it'll be financially rewarding to me. And so I think I think that you know obviously what is being communicated I think is is important the granularity you know all the information numbers but also who is also um, giving the stories as well and I think that you know in Canada uh, the, the government of Canada has made um, you know inclusive trade a trade for the SMEs benefiting uh, from trade agreements like CETA to be a top priority and they've done an outstanding job in creating guides and in providing you know platforms for businesses and small SMEs in particular to learn and get acquainted. But at some point, I do think that there needs to be a, a greater role for private sector to actually be telling their stories and for there to be institutions that are, uh, let's say, telling these stories and educating and providing information that's you know, over and beyond what the government is providing. And so uh, I think part, you know, one thing is to provide information, but it's also to pr produce a, an in infrastructure uh, that will also allow the, the, the information to disseminate, uh, to also collect, get more feedback, et cetera. So it's, it's an ecosystem is essentially what needs to be developed in my view, uh, one that collects information and disseminates it to the right people. I had the great pleasure of actually doing a full disclosure, a little internal huddle with the panelists in advance uh, of this discussion because we didn't know each other very well. And um, uh, I wanted to, to go back to Delphine for a second because we actually had differing opinions um, and she's more of the expert than I am. So uh, I, I, and, and I used to work at the Canadian Chamber of Commerce prior to getting into consulting. And I always had the view that um, Canada doesn't do the best job in branding itself uh, on the business side of things. And, and Fane felt very differently about EU SMEs and, and why they're attracted here. And um, I didn't want a spoiler alert. And I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you think Canada is doing well and, and what we can prevent, but why EU SMEs are attracted to, to come or other investors generally um, to come to Canada. Yeah, indeed, we had different views. Um, again, I'm, I'm not a, well, even though I'm French and I'm European, but I've been in West Africa for a very long time. So, uh, uh, but still, what I, I, I mean, Canada for us as European is a great place. We know it's, um, it's a safe place to invest. We know also that on the cultural side, it's kind of alike um, uh, for us European. Um, it's not as much as a gap, for example, for EU companies to go to the US where in terms of culture, it's, it's really like a jump. 
Um, so Canada is like uh, it's it's a very good uh, in between, I guess, for EU companies. And I think um, no, I I actually think that Canada is doing a great uh, work in branding itself, in attracting um, um, uh, companies, whether it's trade or investment, and also because it has to do with this. And and we cannot talk about uh, investment and trade without talking of immigration, and uh, and also is doing a, a great job on 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 immigration. Um, what I, I, I wanted to also um, um, uh, touch base on, on what Mark uh, said earlier on, on, on sharing good and bad stories, I think indeed it's, it is important and, and this is why also Chambers of Commerce are here to really understand what is happening on the ground so we can then later have a discussion with politicians and governments is very important. Uh, but I mean, I think we also have to, to, to face the fact that EU companies and Canadian companies, if they are motivated, they didn't wait for CETA to uh, go abroad or to trade or to invest in, in, on, on each side of the Atlantic. But what CETA brings... It's that stability, stability in, in which it gives that legal framework for companies to kind of say, okay, there's an agreement. Um, I, can, I can fully go, whether it's again in Canada or in, in the EU, I'm, no, I'm, I'm covered on, on this sector of activity or, or so. So, um, so for, for me, really, CETA is, is this, it's bring that stability, but again, any companies, I mean, a business-oriented person knows that once you have to, once you are ready to export, you are not waiting for FTAs to export. Just again, FTA bring that legal framework, and this is when I, I think we need to push. And again, just as Mark said, on the Canadian side, obviously, uh, Global Affairs has, has done a lot of uh, great uh, guides, and even the CETA summit that was uh, held, uh, I think, in, in November or December last year. And we also, uh, with the EU delegation, uh, have really ded dedicated like web and guide that are really specific, for example, on government procurement, on how EU companies can uh, participate in government procurements in Canada at all levels, and like what are the steps for them to cover, or for example, a recent one on how to import food from the EU to Canada. So it, it, again, it's to adapt uh, to our audience, and when we come to uh, introducing CETA to SMEs, is really to go deep down in the, in the detail and, and tell them, okay, this is what you need to do, and this is what you need to do. And, and yeah, we have webinars and, and guides on our website that kind of helps the, the companies. So no, I, I do think Canada is doing a, a great job in branding and in attracting uh, businesses. But again, I think we need to educate more for, for, for on, on what CETA can, can bring on the table for, the, for these companies. If, if, if I may uh, just uh, also add, add to something there, um, I think it was Frank that mentioned, um, that left a question on one of his last slides of whether it would be unrequited love uh, from the, um, you know, on the European side. And I think, uh, I, I must confess, I'm a little more on, on, on Marianne's uh, view that Brand Canada could certainly, could certainly benefit uh, from a little more attention here in, in Europe at least. Uh, but I, I, I also agree that there's a real opportunity um, in particular with Europe as Europe is moving into a more responsible sourcing um, um, frame of mind. And I think Canada, you know, has a great opportunity to, to really promote itself as being, you know, equal in terms of its, uh, its desire and, and, and interest in promoting, you know, fair labor standards, environmental protection, as well as, you know, consumer safety and consumer standards in, in general. So I think we're at a really, you know, very, very good place right now in terms of uh, helping build up a brand Canada, as, as it were. But I do think that it requires more than just the government to be to be to be building that. It requires again chambers, 
And I'm a big fan of UCAN, um, uh, Delphine's organization, which, you know, um, um, she, she can speak more about it herself. But ultimately, there's, it's basically, it's a feder it brings together all the various chambers of commerce, European chambers of commerce in Canada. And on the other side, in uh, the Canadian chambers of commerce in, in the EU, there are, you know, there are a number of them. Um, I'm, I'm a member of, of several. I've been involved in, in bilateral chambers for over 15 years. But they don't, you know, they're not in every member state. And they don't always, they're not necessarily, you know, organizationally linked together. And I think a lot can be done and should be done, uh, again, with maybe a bit of shepherding from the, from the government to try to bring, a, you know, these, these organizations together. And then, of course, there's organizations like FONS, uh, for example, who have got, you know, tremendous amount of knowledge and information, who I know follow EU regulations and EU rules and developments. And, uh, you know, to the extent that they can contribute to the discussion in Brussels, you know, more, uh, I would be certainly very excited to see that. Um, you know, it's it's lonely in Brussels. I, I'd like to see more Canadians here. Um, uh, to be fair, uh, I think we have a lot to contribute to the conversations. And um, you know, again, I think maybe if the federal government can maybe just start looking at building in these institutions to try to bind a, a whole ecosystem, I think that would be a great step in the right direction. If I may, sorry, if I may just add uh, something on that. For me, it is important, and, I, and I've said it, and Mark said it, but I, I think it, it, it is really important, and that's the role of chambers of organizations, is really to be that bridge between businesses and governments, because they usually talk about the same thing, but in a different language. Okay. And, and organizations like ours, or chambers of commerce, or, or, or business association, or, or industry, are here to kind of trans, to be the translator on each side. Um, and to make sure that uh, governments who are, who are giving a speech are understood by companies and, and that companies who are really facing the problem or the success or, or within that FTA, uh, we are able to translate it to government. So I really think it's important indeed on both sides. And I mean, uh, we, are, we are very few in, in working on EU and Canada. So I mean, we, we are all together in, in the same boat. And yeah, I, I do feel that we are here for this and it's really important. And, and, and this is what we are trying at least at the at the UCAN level. That's a really, those are all excellent points. And just a question for the group on that front. And Mark, you had mentioned this concept of building a more integrated ecosystem. And one of the things that I've always found problematic with Brand Canada, maybe we're seeing right now in our uh, vaccine uh, distribution efforts is, you know, the provinces have their own marketing budget, so to speak in addition to the Canada brand. And so, um, you know, even like something like Alberta beef fawn is like really well known, but it's it's very Alberta centric rather than the Canada brand. And, and I've noticed that throughout um, not just the EU, but how we sort of market ourselves um, in different places. It's, it's very much provincially uh, centric uh, depending on the sector. Um, and more broadly, you know, how do we have this, you know, unified language across Canada and, and, and to build the, as translators between business and government and through chambers of commerce in that ecosystem, how do you actually go about doing this? Because I'll just put it really bluntly, like we, we are the types of folks that will sit around and have these conversations at conferences and write papers and think about it, but how do we really reach the SMEs? Because they're the ones who, you know, 
are facing barriers, even, um, you know, digitally trading and, and because of some of our outdated um, taxation systems or things like that, that are just frameworks that are not um, attractive to small business or they don't feel like it's worth their while. So how do we actually reach these folks um, beyond, you know, webinars or, or is it chambers of commerce have to be more unified in selling that Canada brand to SMEs to get behind CETA? What are, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I'm happy to, to, uh, to start. Uh, well, I, I don't think it's necessarily mutually exclusive. Uh, from an SME perspective, often it's the provinces that will know, you know, who, who their, their SMEs better than, than you know, than um, any other, let's say, uh, level of government. So, so actually, they're probably at the front end of, of, of the SMEs. Uh, so I think it's very important to have them being part of the conversation. And when I talk about an ecosystem, the ecosystem would include, of course, the, the provincial governments. And when I look at chambers that I've been involved with, uh, the chambers, they may be, you know, Canada, UK, Canada, Belgium, Luxembourg, but nevertheless, the provinces are, play an important role within those chambers. So there's, there isn't the same kind of tension and dynamic, um, um, you know, within those, those organizations. And uh, again, I'll, I'll leave it to, to Fawn to maybe talk about how those, uh, how those tensions maybe get, uh, get managed within the industry associations. But certainly, you know, again, when everybody's at the table and looking at the problem from different perspectives, then the opportunities will become clear and those who can benefit from the opportunities, namely SMEs, will also become much more clear. So the idea is just to try to bring the opportunities and the recipients or the potential recipients closer together. And I think the only way to do that is to have everybody at the table. And I think Canada is, is very well placed. We have, uh, you know, we have a, a great, uh, very effective uh, uh, government who's, who's um, you know, who's trade commission services and other, uh, you know, export uh, Canada. We're very keen to, to, uh, to help businesses and provide material. Now we just need to try to bring everybody together in a more cohesive whole. Yeah, maybe if I, you know, grab onto that brand Canada uh, side of that conversation and how do we, um, you know, really get that elevated and how do we make sure that, you know, Alberta beef and Saskatchewan beef and <laughs> all that uh, are then taking up to Canadian beef and then taking up, uh, you know, to the, to the next level into those export markets. And, you know, I think certainly um, we need to get better uh, at that, uh, and you know, perhaps our humbleness factor, uh, you know, in in some ways, um, you know, in the past perhaps didn't talk about the full breadth of benefits of uh, working with Canadian uh, farms and and ranches. And you know, one of the areas that I get really excited about is uh, the potential for environmental collaboration between. Uh, in, between Europe and, and Canada. And, you know, a couple of examples that I would give on, on both sides is, um, you know, there's some technology coming out of the Netherlands that's on a nutritional supplement that is going to, you know, I think be able to reduce methane production by about, depending, uh, the studies show between 20 and, and 70%. You know, wow, we want to be using that in Europe, we want to be using that in Canada. And then Canada on the other side, um, you know, has um, built the first, uh, the world's first uh, certified sustainable uh, beef supply chain. Uh, and certainly we know that uh, Europeans, as well as many other global customers, are um, going to be very interested in that. But my point on that would be, who knows? 
right? And how do we get that information out uh, to people to then really enable those supply chains to pull that type of product uh, through? Um, because certainly with, you know, developing a, a full supply chain, it's, it becomes, you know, not to borrow on the chicken or egg industry, it becomes a bit of a, um, a chicken or egg uh, type of um, situation because, you know, you need the demand, you need uh, the supply chain to be able to meet the requirements, you need the audits, you need all of these different pieces to essentially work at one time, right? And so that takes a lot of coordination. And, and so I think that, uh, you know, we need to um, drive that forward even more so that then we can take that Brand Canada uh, story forward and, and be even more effective with it. I, I like the poultry analogy, <laughs> the Cattlemen's Association. Okay, well, so we're nearing our time, but we do have one question. So let's answer the question and then we'll do a round um, table of some last thoughts and, and final words from the three of you. So um, the question is, what will it take for Canada to double its share of trade with the EU over the next decade? Is it just about information or are there other models or structures that can more readily integrate Canadian firms into projects and supply chains in Europe. So we've touched on this a bit, but if, if you have any builds, um, I think it would be appreciated by the audience. Well, I'm, I'm not Canadian, so it's, it's and again, I'm new here, so it's, um, but I, I do think that's one of the thing, obviously, and, and, and I mean, figures and data can show is to make under, to make the Canadian companies and SMEs that is not just about the US. Obviously, it's the natural market and, and, and it will remain the natural market for, for years and decades. But it's also to, to, to show them what's, what's EU and what they can value in exporting or trading with the with the EU. And again, we are going back to the rules of chambers of commerce. Obviously, COVID um, has uh, forced us to go online and, and lose this kind of, uh, you know, when obviously you are taking a, a Canadian uh, trade mission to the EU to meet with the right people in the right country. Obviously, it's easier than to do everything on webinar. So we, we do hope that it will come back to a, a pretty normal uh, very soon. But uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's again, it's about education, where it's, whether it's uh, in the webinar mode, because that's basically the only thing we can do right now, or later on, like making them understand and take them to the EU and, and say, okay, this is what the EU has to offer. And this is what CETA has to offer. And this is what you could do. Yeah, I, I think uh, I absolutely agree that there's, you know, needs information, but I think to get to that number of 50%, a really ambitious one, uh, or even anywhere near that, it's going to require more than education, it's going to require more than information, it's really going to require a more active approach and, and probably a different approach. And um, I think that uh, when you look at models, for instance, in Germany, where businesses have to basically, you know, belong part of a, a bigger, uh, bigger association, and that association will then represent its interests abroad. Uh, that's one model. Uh, I, I'm not sure that's necessary in the case of Canada. I don't think it'll be it'll be well accepted. Uh, uh, but so I think I think the constituent pieces are there. Uh, again, when we have very knowledgeable, very effective trade associations in Canada, uh, who are you know if they could if they could maybe pool their resources uh, uh, and, and be encouraged to pool the resources with a view to looking at the EU, for example, and, and even beyond the EU for, for that matter, um, and with a view to, again, identifying projects and mobilizing resources that they're looking to look at the long game. And again, chambers of commerce play a, play a major role in that because ultimately, in addition to providing education, they're also 
they're also baskets of institutional knowledge. Uh, so again, we hear a lot about Canadians abroad. Uh, that's becoming a big theme. It's a theme that I'm, it's quite close to my heart, uh, but ultimately it is an untapped resource uh, uh, and, and it's something that should be exploited more. And there needs to be these hubs at the, at the, at the coal end and also in Canada as well. So mm -hmm. in Canada approach, I guess. Yeah, when I think about um, how to make sure that we can uh, advance trade, I think I, I think about three key spots in, in where we really need to focus energy. And, you know, I certainly think at um, the regulatory level and making sure that it's outcome based and that it's going to facilitate trade and that, uh, you know, post COVID, um, that border doesn't doesn't get thicker, but in fact, it uh, hopefully gets uh, thinner. You know, I, I certainly think about um, the the Trade Commission and and how we can really optimize the work that they do because you know there's really nothing uh, like being able to connect um, you know Canadian businesses, Canadian farmers uh, with European uh, businesses and European farmers, and then having them, of course, figure out what is uh, the best way to to do business uh, and. But having that connection, um, you know, and having that first introduction, I think you just can't undervalue uh, undervalue that. Uh, and then I also think about, um, you know, certainly for us, and this is probably very, you know, agriculture specific, but you know, really looking at, you know, the very start of the supply chain and how we can um, support um, the their ability to uh, in the future ship into uh, those types of markets and you know it is complicated and I, I think it's upon us to make sure that they are well supported and well informed so those are the three areas that I would think that uh, would really help drive forward uh, the future of optimizing our, our trade agreement. We have a minute each uh, final thoughts uh, suggestions recommendations ideas mark Sure. So uh, essentially more information as granular as possible to make it make CETA and trade with the EU specific to the SMEs and also to uh, engage and build up a bigger infrastructure for uh, uh, trade associations, but also also uh, chambers of commerce in the EU to connect it all together. Delphine? Yeah, for, for me, it will be uh, some final thought will be like uh, COVID has changed the way we are we are doing business. And obviously, we have to find a balance in between uh, supporting the local, whether it's in the EU or in, the, or in Canada. But we also know that export is the key to recovery. And that, again, having um, on both sides of the Atlantic, the EU and Canada, really uh, culturally minded. I think there's a huge opportunity for, for, for companies and SMEs in, on, on both sides. So, again, it's that balance of, of of working together for, for the new world we want to build, for climate change, to fight climate change, to find innovation in all sectors. So I do believe that Canada and EU are great partners to work together. Yeah, and I would, I would certainly just, you know, echo that, uh, you know, of course, and I know that people know that the beef industry, you know, has serious concerns uh, about how to make this uh, trade agreement work. Um, but, you know, on the other side of that ledger, I think that, um, you know, I'm equal parts excited uh, about the future and certainly uh, about the role that agriculture and uh, Canadian and European farmers and ranchers have in uh, helping drive forward economic recovery uh, and also a, a green economic recovery, uh, you know, nature-based solutions. Um, I have no doubt that both Canadian and European farmers are going to be uh, at the front of that. So, uh, you know, I think we have some very serious challenges to, to overcome, uh, but if we're able to do that on, on both sides, uh, you know, I think it's just going to be um, so beneficial in so many different ways. Great. 
Well, Mark Delphine Fawn, thank you so much for your time. Um, I certainly learned a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode. Remember, you can find the podcast on iTunes or wherever else podcasts are found. If you like the show, please remember to give us a rating. It really helps the podcast grow. You can also find the Canadian Global Affairs Institute on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The Global Exchange is brought to you by our team at CJAI, and thanks go out to our producer, Charlotte Duval-Antoine, and to Drew Phillips for providing our music. I'm Colin Robertson. Thanks for joining us today on The Global Exchange.